0: Hello, listeners. Are you tired of having Alien Minute episodes only on weekdays? Are your Saturday mornings devoid of meaning without that trusty daily podcast popping up in your feed? Well, what if we
1: told you there was a way to remedy your woes? All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash alien minute and subscribe to get a supplemental episode of your favorite daily podcast. You'll hear us talk about what movies we've been watching, answer listener emails and talk about alien related topics that didn't make it on the show. You'll also be able to play along with the Coppola Quadfecta.
0: Don't know what that is? Well, then come on over to patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Subscribe, listen to the weekly episode, and find out. Again, patreon.com forward slash alien minute. We'll see you on Saturdays.
1: Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we'll be looking at Minute
0: 56, which begins with Kane sucking up noodles and ends with Kane convulsing
1: on the table. And today we have new guests, of course, because it's Monday, it's the beginning of the week. Uh, we have with us Katie Mello and Margaret Meyer. How are you doing today?
2: Good. Hello. Good. Hello.
1: Good. Uh, well, first, we like to ask you know a little bit uh, ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and uh, so on. So, if you just want to share with us where you come from and what you do,
2: um, my name is Katie Mello, and I've been working in stop motion for almost twenty years now. Uh, I specifically make puppets for stop motion animation
3: and i have also been working i've been actually working only for about 10 years i guess maybe no, a little more 15. Oh, all right 15 I'm, but i'm young <laughs> still uh, i've worked on Coraline, uh various commercials making making puppets i sort of specialize in costumes and painting but we do a little bit of everything so, great yeah
0: well, we always ask everybody if they have if they can remember the first time they saw Alien and whether it uh, made any Im- impression on you at the time or, or what that experience was. So what you got?
3: Well, the first time I saw Alien, I didn't actually see it. I was with my parents and we snuck into Alien just about at the point where how old were you? Oh, I was it was it was in the theater. So I would have been about, let's see, I was nine. So we snuck in just at the scene that we are about to talk about, actually, and a few seconds later, all I know is that there was a hand over my face, and so for most of the rest of the movie, I only heard it. I did not see it. Did you stay at the theater? We stayed for most of it, and then oh I gosh. think my mom got a little, That thought it was a little bit much for me, so.
0: Whose hand was over your face,
1: yours or your mom's hand?
0: My mom. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: I I had a lot of experience with mom's hand over the face in the theater as well when I was growing up. I totally relate to that. The
3: sound is still pretty disturbing, so I don't know if she really did me that much of a favor because my (laughs) imagination ran wild.
0: Oh, I can imagine, yeah. Jeez, it might be worse.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Would it be, (laughs) though? I'm not sure.
2: Um, This is Katie. I have always been just giant sci-fi, giant... Like I love creatures. And I would read all the, because back in the day you had to read books. I'd read all the books, and Fangora and Starlog, and I was super aware of Aliens, and it just scared the poop out of me. And I was not going to watch it, and I, you know, I would look at the Alien stuff, but I was too scared to watch it. I'd see the video cassette, and I think it was on, I'm pretty sure it was USA Up All Night, which was the, you know, they'd show movies on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was cut, and it had commercials. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I was probably in high school.
3: How much did they have to edit out of
2: that? Well, I have no idea. I watched it, you know, after that. I was like, I'm going to rent this and watch it. But I was, a, I was a little scared, so I had to watch it that way. But I remember being, like, just so sucked in at the beginning because it was so, like, life on a spaceship? Like, it was so engaging. And I was like, I can do this. It's not scary. And I remember at the very end, like, the last ten minutes, which feels like it could be the last minute, when Ripley's on the spaceship, my parents came home. You know, and I was probably not supposed to be up, and I was definitely not supposed to be watching Alien. And I was like, I have to watch the end of this. I have to watch the end of this. And they were like, oh, fine, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was. I was like, where was this movie? What a great movie! And I'm so glad that I was not scared and I watched it.
0: Did you, uh, preparing for this, watch the whole movie, or did you just drop in and look at the look at the five minutes?
2: I actually watched up until. Uh, the end of our five minutes. So I know everything that's happened. You know, I don't know what happens after the five minutes. I mean, obviously I do, but <laughs> I didn't watch beyond that for this.
3: I've seen it so many times. I decided to just focus on our minutes, so I didn't overburden my brain with all the all the details. There's so much in this movie.
0: Yeah, and the experience of zooming in on just those five minutes and not having to worry about all those details—it's a very unique experience, you know.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I just because I've been listening ahead of time to your podcast, I want to tell you my dippy bird theory.
1: Okay, right away. (laughs) Because I had one and
2: I was so excited. I was like, oh, it's my dippy bird theory. Okay, so uh, we have one here at the studio and it's got kind of a flocked soft head and it tips its head into the water and it soaks up water and then that physics and it moves up. But the cup has to be filled almost to the brim. And from uh, evaporation and then the bird itself, it, the cup gets unfilled really easily. So you know you have to be pretty active to keep it working. Um, so this is my theory of how it was working when the guys were still asleep. And they'd obviously been asleep for some time. So how was it still working? OK, so here's what I think. The, we've seen, we see on the ship. That it's quite drippy. The ship itself has a lot of condensation, especially underground. Sorry, not underground, but in the catacomy areas, uh, there's just drips. And uh, so I think this ship has been around the block. It's been out several times, and I think that there's a drip that had occurred over the dining room table, and every once in a while someone would put, you know, their food would be there or their coffee would be there. Oh, you know, a lot of gross drip in your food. So they started putting, you know, a cup there to catch it. And then I think on one of the times that somebody went out, they were like, Oh, I'm gonna get this bird, I'm gonna stick it on there because there's a stupid cup in the table anyway. And then I think that Parker and maybe Brett had a had a bet about like, do you think this thing's still gonna be going (laughs) when they wake up? And so when they (laughs) when they wake up they were like, Yeah, you owe me a dollar.
1: That (laughs) is an excellent (laughs) (laughs) thing. I never would have thought. But it also serves to catch, you know, the drips while they're asleep. No, it wouldn't overflow, right? Or would yes. eventually, yeah. If wow. there's
2: there's a really gross stain on the carpet, there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great. That's that's the most elaborate theory we've heard so that far. That is for sure so far. Yes. And it makes total sense, and it builds even more life into the ship. So, um, uh, I think you're. I think so far you're the. We're at a contest. You would be the winner. Yeah.
3: Do you guys know where the they purchased the Dippy Bird
1: for the movie. Somebody mentioned this, uh, that Brett, on some, you know, on leave somewhere, bought souvenirs, right? Is that what you were going to say?
3: It's from the Beatles store.
1: Oh, you mean, the, oh, I was talking about, I guess I was talking about Extended Universe. Oh, no, alien. I, I saw, oh the Apple yeah. store?
3: The Beatles store.
1: Right, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was called Apple Apple the store. the one they have in Lo- they had in London that had all the fashions and stuff. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's I didn't know that's where they got it. That's again, man. You got yes. all the Dippy Bird information. That's awesome.
3: Is Dippy Bird a Beatles thing? <laughs> I thought I don't
0: know. Mm. I don't know. I had one when I was a little kid, and sadly I did not get to go to the Beatles store and buy it.
1: So. And we sometimes we talk about how much older Mitch is than me. The, when you were a little kid, it was the '60s, correct? It was, Imagine. yeah. So we're talking about like maybe a little mod knick-knack. yeah, yeah. yeah it would make sense, sense that the Beatles would have sold that out of their store then. I can see uh, that. Yeah.
0: Cool. The things you learn on the <laughs> Alien Minute. Wow, that's pretty amazing.
3: It's a known fact. <laughs> yes, that was my <laughs> clip, <cook>, Clayton. <laughs> yeah.
0: All
1: right. Well, let's get into the minute.
0: We're picking this up obviously in the middle of, of dinner and in, in the middle of a conversation. And I, I suppose we should start with the fact that they're talking about what it is that they're eating. And it's never really identified, but there's a lot of there's a lot of talk around what this stuff is and I just wondered whether you had any thoughts about uh these noodles.
2: Well my first um in the first two original scripts there's that's a really scripted conversation and obviously with this, crew, with this cast, uh, it was much more extemporaneous what actually gets on film. But uh, in both the original scripting, there's this really goofy dialogue where they're talking about, oh, wow, you're really enjoying this food. And the guy says, yeah, it grows on you. And it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> Yeah.
0: So,
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm really glad that that didn't stay in.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of this dialogue in that that's in the o'bannon script i think yeah. and it's uh it's it's all just so 50s i'm i'm always amazed when i look back at that script about how this was clearly written by a child of the 50s and a child of 50s science fiction and they communicate in weird goofy 50s ways
1: you know
2: wasn't snark isn't the ship called the snark yes yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well i was reading the novelization in the scripts they they imply it a little bit in the scripts as well but in the novelization they go very in depth about the synthetic artificial nature of the food oh. which is interesting i hadn't read that I, I kind of read the novelization as i go along kind of like how you might have looked at the minutes and um in the, our last guest we talked about the food a little bit where we were speculating kind of joking about how it might, maybe those were soba noodles and they're just in the future they just complain about food that we consider to be really great and but in in the novelization they go pretty in depth about Um, how it's reconstituted like recycled material that they're eating they never quite say what it is it's almost like they don't want to say what it is and that's why you get the line from parker in the movie it's like the only thing that ends up in the movie about this is him saying i don't want to think about what i'm eating i just want to eat this but in the novelization it's kind of disgusting what they're talking about and and mitchin we were talking about this that I wondered if it wasn't sort of like a ham-fisted setup trying to get us to think for just a moment at least that when he starts convulsing and cramping and that it's food-related. Um, do you guys see it that way? Do you think that that's a possibility as far as the writer's intentions?
2: Uh, when I was reading about the script, Dan O'Bannon, apparently who was the original author, apparently had Crohn's disease, which is a painful I'm not a doctor by any means, but a painful disorder. So when you eat, you have terrible cramps.
3: I don't think that came out until after he died, his widow disclosed that, that he had Crohn's. Because the story floating around at the time was that he had uh, eaten some bad fast food and had to go to the hospital. well. The thing that struck me, actually, about that scene is how much food there was, considering well, they're on a spaceship. And there's
2: fresh food, food, there's fresh fruit, there's mangoes and squash, which are so set dressing, and they just look really pretty. And they
3: had room to pack beer. Yeah. In cans. We're stuff. Coming. I mean, I'm assuming it's beer to kind of go with the cigarettes and beer, so yeah. we get, you know, this is driving home that they're, they're workers, they're yeah. blue collar.
1: It's part of the trucker motif, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We were going to talk about the beer as well. The logo? You know, the logo and, and there's a very significant part of the logo, actually. Um, I was always under the impression that the name of the company, Whaland Utani, that we all know now from subsequent films, was never in this movie and in fact it is on the label. They Whalen Utani owns Aspen Brewery, which is the brewery where they brew this canned beer that Dallas is chugging down at the dinner table.
2: Is there a microbrewery that's making that right now?
1: Because there should should be. Yeah, really. There should be. be. There really, yes, any microbrewers out there listening to the show, you might (laughs) think about a little cross-branding. Maybe call up 20th Century Fox and see if they want a little cross-branding with you. It's funny to me to think that Wayland Utani owns a small brewery, or I guess you could probably guess it's maybe a bigger brewery, but in Aspen, Colorado. But yeah, until I looked deeper into this logo, looked it up online, I didn't know that there was any significance to it at all, but... Watching this one minute, it's so prominent in the minute. Dallas holds it out so many times. It's like I have to, I have to see what this is about. And then they they take
0: the spent grain from the from the beer, and they make that weird noodly stuff that they're eating. Maybe that maybe that's... Hmm, that's space good Vegemite or yeah. something. <laughs> well, you know, in Japan, did you guys see that thing? Was it last year? They were talking about how the Japanese are trying to make food out of poop. Oh well, wow. and they're Gosh. you know. it's disgusting and it seems to be they seem to be doing it so maybe that's what we're also talking about you know it's one step removed from soylent green that these people are eating
2: isn't that how the star trek replicators work i always assumed the matter to matter
1: (laughs) (laughs) just one big circle of life yeah because that is always the question about the enterprise right what what are where do they go? They never seem to go to the bathroom. That's right. I have a friend whose theory has always been that the, the teleporter just teleports any waste out of you at any given moment of the day, and you never have to worry about it.
2: Are the toilets on the Enterprise transporters? I'm <laughs> thinking
1: that you're just walking. You know, if you watch uh, Next Generation, yeah, you know, they can teleport things from anywhere. Maybe there's sensors on you that tells the transporter that you're ready to go, and it just takes it out of you. You don't even don't even have to think about it.
2: Is there a poop planet where they? transported well
1: according to your theory it sounds to me like they reconstituted into the replicated food I <laughs> this cool. is getting a little you
3: have ruined for me every time jean luc says tea earl grey hot <laughs> <laughs> same way <laughs>
0: and i'm glad to say we've got our star trek reference right yes. off the bat so <laughs> Thank there you we for go that it always makes
1: me very happy <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, because we get to see Jonesy in this minute, I'm very excited because I wanted to talk about Jonesy a little bit. Okay, so is Jonesy... there? I have so many questions about Jonesy. <laughs> is Jonesy a cat or is Jonesy some kind of space cat?
1: <laughs> I believe Jonesy is an Earth cat. Maybe I'm not using my imagination enough, but... I want to believe that Jonesy's an Earth cat too. Yeah.
0: With a special anti-alien
1: sense, you know...
3: Yeah, but that's very suspicious to me. That's always been suspicious to me. That Jonesy is unsupervised wandering around that ship with the alien loose. And he never ended up with... And I mean, think about it, an alien that was an alien-cat hybrid. Because, you know, they pick up a certain percentage of the genetic material of their host. So, I kind of want to see a Jonesy alien.
1: Oh, that would be... Yeah. What would... <laughs> As if the alien could be any more non-empathetic... <laughs> Having that cat DNA and really, really doesn't care about you at all.
2: (laughs) So, okay. So I understand that cats are pretty traditional on ships, uh, sailing ships forever. And that makes sense because they would catch rats that they would catch Mm. in port that would come up on the ship. So, okay. So practically speaking, someone allowed Jonesy to be on, and that meant that You're going to have to bring all his food. You're going to have to bring all the cat litter that you're going to need for all this time. I'm sure it's some
3: sort of space.
2: Oh, it's space litter. Yeah. (laughs) And then does he serve a purpose? Is there some sort of space rat situation that Jonesy is taking care of?
1: I read somewhere that that was one of the motivations that they had for writing a cat in to the script. But we've kind of deduced that it's more psychological. That if you're a crew... Set out in space, away from home for a certain amount of time, you know, they say that having pets is psychologically helpful. It relaxes you. It keeps you calm and grounded. So that was sort of where we've been landing on this. I guess it's something we've talked about a couple of times. But um, I don't know. How, I, I don't know about I guess space rats could be a problem for all we know. But. Now, I
2: will also say... We are allowed to have dogs at work, and I have my dog at work who's an Italian greyhound who has
3: very, very short hair, and it doesn't shed. Who you may be aware of is the, the uh, Bones Mellow, the At-At dog. The
1: At-At dog, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I I was just showing someone the picture of the <laughs> At-At dog the other day.
3: So, well, in Character Fab, we can't
2: have hairs in things because it would be a giant problem. So if you had a cat on a um, spaceship, yes. I think you're getting hairs in machines machine and stuff.
3: Yeah, but I mean, they also smoke, so I well, feel like hygiene or right. Not yeah, this is
0: the dirtiest ship in the galaxy. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was, that'd be <laughs> the last they, thing anybody's worried about.
3: If they were being super real, there would be hairballs drifting down <laughs> the
1: gas. I was just thinking about when later when Dallas is in the air duct, he would just be swimming through hairballs, wouldn't he? <laughs> the ventilation systems would be sucking that stuff in.
2: See where he had been because there'd be like trails yeah. works through the cat hair. <laughs>
1: Well, it's the future. Perhaps they've been able to breed a shedless cat at that oh. point. A long-haired, no-shed cat. And he's a space cat. And a
0: space cat, too. You, you know, when I watch these minutes, this is the first time, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, this is the first time that I noticed that Jones was back there behind Ash in those oh. shots. I, noticed that I,
3: oh, I, was looking, I was like, I want to talk about the cat, so I was looking for him.
0: <laughs> so, had, so you'd noticed that before when you'd watched the movie, like, not just the five minutes you actually remember that the cat was in that room right
2: no i was i was like i want to talk about the cat okay
1: (laughs) i'd never noticed it either until i was looking in the script and like i've been talking about reading this reading material and um in the scripting in the book they talk very they say very distinctly that the cat's in the middle of the table when this all goes down so Mm -hmm. then i thought well i know she's not there he's not there uh in the movie so that's when i was keyed in to look for. Jones over Ash's shoulder, but um, I think there's a specific, a very good practical production purpose for not having Jones be in the middle of the table for this, but until they went to shoot the scene, they didn't know that they were going to do all this business on the table, so Cat would kind of be in the way of the of that scene, I think. Oh
3: yeah. And they're hard to act with.
1: <laughs> I can only imagine. A puppet. Yeah. Like
3: Salem from the... a <laughs> Might have been a whole different movie.
0: So, Shall we talk about the what may be the one and only joke in the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you won't need a rocket to fly through space. Is, is kind of kind of a funny witticism, but this is a this direct joke that Parker makes aimed at Lambert. Any thoughts have, about this? <laughs> so that's
3: not what he wants to be eating.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> really love this because I feel like um,
2: Margaret and I work in. I I would say it's a somewhat male dominated um, type of an environment, and I think. I really enjoy all the men that I work with and I think that they're a lot of fun. And I think as long as you kind of are fun with stuff, yeah. then I think stuff is fun. And I love that he makes this joke and she looks a little overly shocked but then is actually like, well, no, like I kinda think this is funny and, and it's a little bit flattering even I feel like.
3: Well, but they've also been cooped up with each other oh, ship for a long time. Well, but... I think if she bit he'd be like, Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it's a it's a, a Yet another warm moment in mm-hmm. a series of them, which is what this whole dinner scene is about. It's just this, it's this you know reunification of the crew, and it's a, everything is positive, and the balloon is going up. As you know, Richard Maybaum would say, "Let the balloon go up, and then yank it down." Or Walt Disney would say, "As soon as things are going great, bring on you know the Wicked Witch." And so this is this is the happiest that we ever are going to see these. No, oh, I would
2: totally want to be on that ship. Like, that looks really cool. <laughs> it's a little
3: grungy for
2: me.
1: <laughs> well, the, the galley there is pretty nice. It's, it
3: looks like a Tupperware party almost. Yeah. All the, well, all the containers on the table.
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely the nicest, cleanest,
0: warmest place in the entire movie. We never see anybody's quarters, so this is...
3: It's the brightest scene. It's yeah. the it's brightly lit scene mm-hmm. in that movie.
0: And everybody's wearing white or everybody's wearing light colors. Certainly, certainly weren't wearing white, right? What, what better to
1: be wearing? know. Yeah, there's a good reason for that.
3: I feel like they were all, he's the only one that he's wearing the whitest, plainest shirt. It's sort of setting the stage for me for the contrast with the gore that's about to happen. Felt like he was purposely a little cleaner than everybody else. He just put that on. Everybody else was wearing that clothes. Yeah, everybody out. has sh- mm-hmm. colored shirts and work shirts, and he's, to me, I because I'm a customer, he's a little conspicuously different. So white. Yes.
1: Well, he was just wearing that space teddy that he was wearing while he was in the coma. So he had to, he had to change into his crisp whites. They've been waiting <laughs> for him in the uh, they've been waiting for him in the, in the closet there. So it's understandable that he'd be clean. Hasn't worked in a few days.
3: It's understandable. It's also convenient for... Oh, it's... It's
1: beautifully convenient.
3: I have one
2: question about their conversation. So, all this has just gone down. And they're sitting kind of just chatting and just having a really light conversation. Are alien life forms just no big deal? Because no one's like, oh my goodness, we just saw a dead alien and a bunch of alien eggs. That is what I would be talking about. But Mm -hmm. nobody... Seems So in this universe, what universe do they exist in? And in their universe, are aliens matter matter of fact? Not necessarily scary, yucky aliens, but just alien life forms. Are they matter of fact?
0: There's a moment earlier on where where he says, we've never seen anything like this. But he doesn't say, "This this is the first time we've encountered an alien life form. So, yeah. I, I mean, I would I guess I would argue, too, that this is this is just good old fashioned misdirection. You, they, yeah. you're, you're right. They would probably be talking and probably wouldn't be having a party, you know, in the, in the wake of him coming back. There would probably be a lot of tests that they might want to run and all sorts of things like that. But that definitely isn't what happens. you know.
1: Well, I, I would argue, too, though, they've all been talking about it. I mean, he's been in a coma for a couple of days, right? Oh, Presumably. Yes. And they've all been going over. Holy shit. Oh, my God. What is this thing? I don't think he wants to talk about it. I don't think I think that they probably know that he doesn't really want to talk about it. Let's have a let's have a good time and go to bed. And when we wake up, we'll deal with reality. And I think that's more the motivation behind it, but it works perfectly with what Mitch is saying as far as now we get this warm, this distracting, warm moment where we can all relax and laugh before the shit really hits the fan. So, I don't know, but to me it makes sense. I wouldn't want to talk to about that with that guy who just went through that, you know. That's-
2: yeah, yeah, it yeah, like that's the last thing you would talk about. That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Once the
0: convulsions start, we we have to talk about Ash's reaction.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a little I've always wondered does he know he knows. I think he's put things together faster than anybody else. Yeah. I think he, he was even hoping for this.
1: He's waiting plus. he's waiting for this to happen, I think. Well this must be the episode where I mentioned the script like a million times ago or the, the, in the book, in the script, and there's a scene where they discuss something that was on the scanner when Kane was still in a coma. And it was a, a black spot that Ash excused as some sort of glitch. He told Dallas, oh, it's a mark on the scanner. I can't remember. Well, what's
0: is it, this? In, is this in the uh, novelization? It's in the novelization, the
1: novelization. And I, it, yeah, it's not in the script. It's just in the novelization. Yeah. And in the illustrated story as well, there's a scene where where Dallas says, how could you not have seen this? And in that, it doesn't give as much of an explanation as in the novelization. But in the writing, in earlier parts of the writing process, they were definitely thinking about... Ash knew exactly what was going on and did not give Dallas the information and came up with excuses for why he didn't give him the information. So, yeah, that explains a lot as far as his cold. Not too surprised. He doesn't jump... well. Yeah, it is in this minute that he does jump to action, but he doesn't seem surprised really.
2: Was he, when everyone was asleep, was he uh, receiving information, or did he know this before they went to sleep?
0: It's that's and that's yeah. I think that's one of the great mysteries of that of his character. We we've talked a little bit about that question about whether even Ash himself is conscious of what his mission is or what his agenda is and, and it may just be that there are protocols programmed into him and then once something happens this is how he reacts you know his programming kicks in which is find this thing if, if they hadn't got that beacon if they had just went home maybe nothing would be activated he'd be waiting for the next mission to see whether they're going to find it
3: Yeah, he instantly looks to me like he's taking notes just as soon as King starts convulsing
1: I think there's a good chance he didn't know exactly how this was going to go down, even though he knew something was inside of Kane. Right, I think he, he there's a good chance he thought that they were going to get into cryosleep, mm. take it home, and that's when they were going to remove it from his body. But mm. I think this violent reaction might have been a surprise to him a little bit, but he knew something could happen, probably. He probably at least guessed at it.
0: And I think we'll find, as we move through these minutes, a couple of more clues in terms of how he reacts to things that that w- might illuminate a little bit more of, of his agenda or lack of or evolution of, of, of thought through this little five minute
1: roller coaster ride well on that maybe we should just move on to the next minute Yes.
2: Good. yes. all right
1: is there anywhere that you guys would want our listeners to find you on the internet
3: i'm totally old and no, i'm not on the internet <laughs> that's fine I have an Etsy shop. It's just, you look up my name, Margaret Meyer. It's just some art that I make on the side.
1: Is that where the Adat is?
3: Oh, that was Margaret. Oh, sorry. I
2: did the Adat dog and I had all these plans for all these other things, but instead I had two kids.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But they get bigger. I have tons of plans. But he does have a Facebook page. He does? It's true. You can look up Bones Mellow. Yeah, the adat dog, maybe. Something like that on Facebook. But I'm never on it, and I never yeah. check it. But I, he loves having
1: fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you can find us, of course, at AlienMinute.com or follow us on Twitter, at AlienMinutePod. Uh, you can come over to our Facebook page and join and uh, discuss Alien with us. Give us your ideas about some of the theories we were discussing. And uh, that'll do it for Minute number 56. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute 57.